Balper and the team of Brass. I'm Carson Sestouli. This is Fangraphs Audio. My guest on this edition of the program is former contributor to SB Nation site. That is Mariner's SB Nation site, Lookout Landing, and also a contributor to Baseball Perspectives. She currently serves as the managing editor of the Hardball Times as well. It is Meg Rowley. Meg Rowley is the guest on this program. Recently, Meg Rowley uh, published not a one, but a two-part taxonomy, a semi-complete taxonomy on baseball ejections. We discussed this post at some length with Rowley, and it leads to a discussion. I can guarantee it's an interesting discussion, but it leads to a discussion about actual versus ritual anger or performative anger. Are players and managers really angry or merely attempting to seem it? Both is probably the right answer. Uh, in other news, this offseason continues to feature a number of unsigned free agents. Rally and I consider briefly what the consequences of that might be for the players and, of course, the teams who sign them. Looking particularly, we look particularly at the cases of Stephen Drew and Kendris Morales in the past two players who'd been extended qualifying offers but did not sign right away and instead returned in the middle of the season. We discussed that. Once again, Meg Rally returns to examine some business words and also to introduce the host of this program to business words, among those considered this week, to socialize, the verb to socialize. It does not mean what one would expect it to mean. There's also some idle chatter uh, in this episode about Madison, Wisconsin, and Meg Rally provides a real-time review of the program for the benefit of listeners. I think it got better in the second half. The first 20 minutes were like, eh, we can talk about Madison the whole time. But then we, you know, we steered around to other stuff. It's a real-time review by Meg Rally herself. We'll get to that conversation with Meg Rally momentarily. First, it is both my privilege and also my professional obligation to announce that Fangraphs memberships exist. For a reasonable sum, readers of Fangraphs.com can support the great work that appears in those electronic pages. And for a slightly less reasonable sum, still mostly reasonable, but slightly less reasonable, Readers can acquire an ad-free membership, which allows them to browse Fangraphs.com without the burden of banner ads, not only facilitating faster loading speeds, but also liberating one from the tyranny of advertisements. Fangraphs membership and ad-free membership, available only at Fangraphs.com by going there and then clicking around. Okay, Uh, that advertisement is now complete. Let us move on to our conversation. What is it? It is Fangraphs Audio. Who does it feature? Managing editor of the Hardball Times, Meg Rowley. And when does it begin? Right now. lived i believe most of her life on the west coast that's correct yes but you also just mentioned moving to the midwest yes and i would i would like to uh, begin with a brief anecdote at the briefest anecdote sure but just to illustrate a point that i think will resonate with you and upon which you could perhaps expand sure is that when my uh, my wife and i moved from portland oregon to madison wisconsin we were excited because she was going to grad school it was a new place at which we never lived we were excited for madison wisconsin because maybe it would be slightly cheaper than portland but it would also offer certain not precisely the same type of cultural advantages but one advantage that madison has over portland is that adults are also allowed to live there mm-hmm. <laughs> i don't know if you know that that um, there's an age maximum in portland oregon that is uh, to which the city strictly adheres Oh um, yeah, it's it's uh, draconian. And anyway, what what it, what we did not uh, what we did not bank on though is that when we arrived in Madison that very day, we started we had a moving van, a U-Haul variety moving van, I believe, 
and we started to unload our things. But we had not really uh, had to contend with humidity of any real severity for two years or three years, however long we lived in Portland. And then we started moving our things in. And, like, we were immediately, we were almost immediately as sweaty as, as we'd been in our lives. <laughs> it was gro- we were gross people. And also just, the, like, the wet, like, I, you know how people, you know, people say, like, oh, I threw up on my mouth a little bit. And that's, like, kind of, that's, like, a comment where you're, like, oh, the thing you said is disgusting. Don't say that. But I literally, I, at some point, I literally did throw up in my mouth a little bit just from, from the strain. Anyway, it's not a great anecdote. <laughs> It doesn't. I don't know if it has. It, it has either. It has a middle, right? I mean, maybe sure. it started somewhere too. There's no end to it. But there was a real difference between the two regions, and I, I guess uh, that's an obvious statement. But when one ex- actually experiences it, it becomes that much more real, I suppose. Yeah, it's an unpleasant place to be in, like the height of summer. Mm. Uh, it is quite muggy. And I don't enjoy that, you know, having been spoiled by the, the Northwest for much of my life. Mm. When I moved to Madison, you know, I like was most immediately coming from Seattle, but had been had been in New York. Uh, you know, my stuff had been in New York. And then I put it in a in a giant uh, moving container that got stored somewhere and then like was to appear in front of my apartment building. Like some sort in Madison. of pod, was it? It was, in fact, a pod. Yes. <laughs> and, uh, you know, as you might remember, in Madison, street parking can be very catch-as-catch-can. Mm-hmm. And I, I went... That's actually the city policy. Yeah. Um, that's, that's how it's written down in the, yeah. um, the with, annals of... The, with very yeah. aggressive parking enforcement, and I think that because it is so aggressive, the, the denizens of, of Madison feel like they can just kind of... I'm going to say a swear. I'm warning you so that you know to bleep it because we don't do swears on this. But they can be kind of a you know? Oh, boy. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry. Scandalized Luckily, I'm wearing my pearls so I can clutch them immediately. (laughs) It's good. And yeah. I got I got signs saying, "Hey, like don't don't park here, or you'll get ticketed and towed," mm-hmm. uh, you know. And I put them out in front of my apartment building. I had to go through a permitting process, which was like ridiculously oh. cheap compared to said process in Seattle. And and then a bunch of jerks just parked there anyway. So I had to reschedule my pod delivery because they called my bluff, right? They were like, I bet the person who has these permits won't actually call and get our cars towed. And I was like, I don't want to do that. It feels so It's probably a milk toast grad student is what they said. And you know what? I've never (laughs) felt so seen and so disrespected (laughs) at the same time. And so upon rescheduling my pod, which meant that I camped in my empty apartment for like a week and a half, Oh, you yeah. know, it, well, that's a, a way to have dignity, isn't it? Yeah, on an air mattress <laughs> in a, with a sleeping bag, <laughs> and then I I got another permit, and I parked my car in there to be like, hey, this is my car, and then mm-hmm. I sat on a lawn chair <laughs> on the sidewalk and scared several people away. Yeah, because <laughs> I was awesome. like, I'm moving. We're not camping anymore. We're not. Mm-hmm. We're not doing this. Meg Rally's done with that. I'm done with it. This and milk it, toast grad student. Yeah. I have been I no have more. Been scandalized, yeah. and I will not take it. Now, were you were moving in? Were you moving in around August or something? Yes. Right? Now, middle, I, if, I know, if I am recalling correctly, August fifteenth or so in Madison, Wisconsin, is a very strange day because there's like one day, one day, one night when essentially a date for which all of the leases are scheduled are to end. Yes. Yeah. 
And so everyone, so like in a 24 slash 48 hour period, a non-negligible percentage of the town is is essentially playing weird musical chairs with their residences. And one yes. thing that happens in the meantime is that undergrads and other people too, I suppose, just throw objects into like onto the sidewalk. Yes. There's a weird thing where like for, for I mean, you know, for the better part of a week, the sidewalk is just littered everywhere in, in, the, in the city. You know, like you know, you certainly with the um, the university itself acting as kind of a magnet for it. We're just objects, couch, couches that have been used, and uh, refrigerators, the small refrigerators, and, mm-hmm. and this sort of thing. And uh, but then it's also like p- people go through and they pick out, you know, what of those objects is slightly better than the own than than their own uh, junky <laughs> junky items. Yeah, yeah. Did my... you ever go through one of those? I well, so. We called it, I'm sure this is not like a super clever thing. We called it hippie Christmas. This is exactly the words that I was uh, yeah. thinking in my head. Yeah. Yeah. But I didn't want to say them because I thought it was lame. <laughs> oh, no, super lame. Yeah. I did not. I mean, I, so I had the unusual experience as a grad student of being like, you know, an adult person who had worked and had stuff like I had stuff, you know, I had stuff that I liked enough to put in a pod and pay mm-hmm. to have sent across the country and then stored and then delivered to me again. So I didn't really partake just because I was in the fortunate position of sort of like having stuff I liked. And I was like, I, I like this stuff. I don't need to go. I don't need to go get other stuff like uh, this is my stuff. But I, I know several people who who did. I was sort of horrified because I had been, you know, as I said, in New York. And like in New York, when you see stuff on the sidewalk, you just assume that it is infested with bed bugs. You know, like someone will walk out, you'll like witness them exiting their apartment and like leaving a chair made of metal on the sidewalk. And you're like, well, they put it down. So it's immediately full of bed bugs. Guess I can't get that. But that didn't seem to be a problem in medicine. I was sort of surprised by people's just like, you know, general chill disposition when presented with stuff that had been like open to the elements and potential violation by bed bugs. They're just, they're fine. They felt they're fine. not too worried about it. We're going to get down. We're going to get down to real business momentarily, man. Oh dear! But the, uh, this is actually uh, now. Of course, uh, our job is to think about and write about baseball. Mm-hmm. However, what is it really except to to think about leisure, right? Sure. The the, the, perf- the perfection of leisure. I would offer, not with any evidence, but I'll say it anyway. And what is a better instance of leisure? I will ask and simultaneously somehow assert than enjoying a beer mm-hmm. at. Uh, University of Wisconsin's, I believe it was the the alumni um, the Memorial Hall. Memorial yep. Hall? The Union. The Memorial Union, sorry, yeah. Yeah. Out on the uh, the terrace there. Yeah. Yeah. Do you, uh, did, uh, did you ever participate in that event? And uh, if you did, reviews. <laughs> How would you like to? <laughs> uh, uh, many, many times. Yeah, okay, yeah. It's much better to do that in the summer because mm-hmm. and i i don't mean this to disrespect the fine people who get their undergraduate educations at at the university of wisconsin but you know all the filthy undergrads leave they go home yet they get the hell out oh then, yeah right and that's also just like seasonally it's better too well sure yeah there's no ice on the lake uh generally by the time the the terrace is open but um it's lovely i mean it's just a beautiful spot and the the beer is good and there are brats and sometimes there's live music and sometimes that live music is even good Mm -hmm. so yeah it's it's lovely 
And then, you, and then you do have this influx of people moving. I think about that. I'm going to relate this to baseball now. If oh you're boy, amenable, watch. I'm going to be careful. Yeah. I'm going to transition us to a baseball mm-hmm. topic. You know, I, I, I've been thinking a lot about these, uh, these guys who are still free agents. You know, I guess in this time of year, nobody, with the exception of like the Diamondbacks and some of the Florida teams, I don't know how proximate. I'm going to betray my own my ignorance of the grapefruit uh, league and and admit that I don't know how proximate to uh, Miami or or Tampa some of those spring training facilities are. But like I guess everyone's sort of on the road in the spring, right? For like an extended period, like being a a business traveler who has to go do a project somewhere and lives in like sad corporate housing. But there are a lot of guys who just don't have jobs still, and I hate moving. Like, I have stayed in not great apartments for a year longer than I should just so that I don't have to move. Yeah. And so I just, uh, you know, like, we don't have to uh, litigate once again the, the state of the free agent market necessarily, but I I feel for them as humans because it's like, man, you got You don't know where you're going to live. You don't have, like, a corner store. You you don't know where the good like brunch is in your town, yeah. or uh, where to go get where to go get beer you like, uh, or coffee or whatever your preferred thing is that you like are s- kind of snobby about because it's your your thing. Your thing, yeah, yeah. So I just uh, I wonder you feel it for those guys. Yeah, I wonder what the what that what toll that takes, and I, you know there are a bunch of of sort of role player guys who move around a lot. Uh, and have jobs and will switch jobs several times because they'll get DFA'd and picked up and, you know, report to a strange city. But it's a very strange life that we ask of these guys so that we might engage in leisure. Well, yeah, <laughs> that's true. And obviously uh, they participated willingly because they're oh, sure. compensated well. Yeah. I mean, they're fine. I- I'm not saying like, you know, yeah, these are unbearable but, hardships, but no, it is but- a weird thing. It's a well, it's a weird life. I mean, I know that I've become a bit more familiar with that, in particular having had um, some opportunity to speak with Travis Sachek on a regular basis, because he, of course, he he worked as a he was a newspaperman. Yep. Uh, for some time with the Pittsburgh Tribune Review, uh, for which news organ he uh, covered the <laughs> Pittsburgh Pirates, and uh, he would travel and um, he would relate to me the you know the, his sort of essentially you know just in a very basic way the hours. That he kept at that point, and uh, sometime you know, at some point along along the way, he, he and his wife welcomed a small boy into their lives. It was, I mean, by natu- by way of birth, not it's just their it small a, boy. Yeah, 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 right. It was one they like made. A, <laughs> strange, yeah, they did. They they, they cooked him up. They did. It was a he's totally artisanal, <laughs> free range boy. Uh, so far 100% as I know, I don't organic. know. I haven't, I haven't gone into the details with Travis. <laughs> Exactly the the problem. Yeah, it would be it would process. be a strange thing to ask your coworker about in in great detail. I suppose it would be. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you know what? The thing is, <laughs> Travis, he's so agreeable. He'd probably. But I feel tell like you. he would he would answer. He wouldn't like it. He would he would he would be really re, be kind of reluctant. He'd be like, huh? This seems like it's very detailed. Yeah. Um, uh, should but he'd be, yeah, he, maybe he have a conversation with, with David Appleman about our, our HR policies around here. We don't yeah, these parts. We have very few HR policies. <laughs> I mean, yeah. No, but to the point they bring up as to what actually the, I mean, so I, we don't have any sort of samples to, to the extent where you could say this is the exact effect that a late signing date has on a player. However, was it a, 
a few years ago now where Stephen Drew signed particularly late. I, mean, mm-hmm. I don't know if it was after the draft, but something like that. And Kendris Morales, I believe, also signed. Yes. At, that was the year the Mariners year. kidnapped him. Oh, boy. Yeah. Well, um, <laughs> it's just a, a, a nice little way I talk about the the experience of Kendris Morales with the 2014 Mariners. Wait, could you, actually, let's let's return to that. Did they did they actually sign him at that late date, or was it someone no. else who signed him and they traded for him? He signed with, now I'm going to be embarrassed that I don't, mm. that I'm not confident in my memory. I think the the Twins I sure. Think the, the well, so let's say the Twins. It does, it's not going to matter. Oh, it, but they had wanted to sign him, right? They did. They yeah. they did want to sign him, and he was like, "No, I, I don't want to hang out there." And then <laughs> uh, <laughs> I'd prefer to hang out in a different place. Yeah. And then later in that in that year, Jack Zarenzik was like, "Are you sure, though?" <laughs> yeah. Well, he did. I'm not even so much. Are you sure? It was more like, "Hey, Twins." <laughs> Can you be complicit in this in this crime? In this, we're hoping in to this kidnapping, yeah. really? I mean, yeah. that's a very. I, I don't know that I should joke about that. It's not super funny, you know. Kidnapping's very I know, serious. Real kidna- well, real kidnapping's not funny. Not at all funny. Very. But I think that, scary uh, and sad. I think that. Uh, <laughs> it felt a lot like it. It was I dare, a, actually honestly. I dare someone to kidnap our son the way he's acting today. Oh they no! They will be. They will they will regret it immediately. <laughs> I remember that 2014 time with Kendris Morales because, and I might be sort of, you know, as time goes on, your memories sort of mash together. But I believe that when he signed or when he was traded for, excuse me, mm-hmm. it was like the very beginning of the trade deadline time. Like when, when we're all like, hey, we're talking about the trade deadline coming up. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's coming up. And I remember getting a notification on my phone being like the Mariners have traded some guy to the Twins for Kendris Morales, and I think MLB trade rumors had been like, "We hear that the Mariners are about to make a move," and I was like, "Is this the? This is it? This is the move? This is what we're doing?" They did other stuff too. I don't. It doesn't matter. It doesn't it? Super doesn't matter. But anyway, yeah, Kendris. He did not play particularly well. To stop distracting from the point that I suspect you were trying to make. No, well, no, he didn't. And, well, he didn't. He had not played well for the Twins. No, um, played worse for the Mariners, though. So that was fun. Yeah, <laughs> that was a cool little. Well, that's actually not true. I guess his, like his OPS was higher with the Mariners. It's fine. It's, it was it, fine. I mean, fine. it was it bad, it, it, it but it was. It, the point is, it didn't work out for Kendrick Morales in any sense, or the Mariners, candidly. Yeah, well, you could be candid about it. I appreciate that. But um, it also didn't work out for the Twins, it seems. Except no. I guess they got someone for Kendris Morales. Sure. They got, uh, according to BaseballReference.com, they got Stephen Pryor, who's still a player for them. Maybe. <laughs> could be true. Might not be a player at all. Hmm. Last game. Oh, no. I-, I think he might not be in baseball any longer. Well, it's, it happens to all of us. It happens, In fact, it happens to many of us before... We ever are employed by a professional team. By the end of it, none of us are playing in the majors. No. Yeah. Uh, Stephen Pryor, you know how baseball reference will tell you, like, here's how you pronounce a guy's name. And, mm-hmm. you know, maybe that's useful if you if it's a player who, who has a funny pronunciation mm-hmm. or perhaps you are ignorant of how to pronounce a person born outside the United States' name and you want to get it right because it's good to mm-hmm. get these things right. They have a pronunciation guide for Steven. Steven. Mm-hmm. 
Mm-hmm. I think we had that one baseball reference. I had a terrified moment where I thought that the reason he had last played in 2014 was maybe because he had passed away, but he seems like he's living and fine, so okay. we don't have to load more tragedy into my weird kidnapping rant. <laughs> <laughs> How do you think the podcast is going? Are you happy with it so far? It's <laughs> quality material. Oh, good. I think it's, it is handicapped a little bit by my, my very severe medical condition. Aww. Which is just a head cold, but um. Well, and and apparently a, a poorly behaved son. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I think you're doing great. I'm not satisfied with my own performance, but we still have time. No, I wasn't satisfied with it either. <laughs> I, can, I can still rally. Yeah. So, but I think that we have um, accidentally arrived at the beginning of a question. Sure. Which is even if these players, who you know, all indications would suggest are talented ball players. Are they themselves going to be handicapped by some degree? Will, will their performance be affected by the fact that they have not necessarily had, you know, even if even if they've participated in this, what is essentially this players camp, you know, mm-hmm. this players spring training camp, that's not the sort of thing that, that helps you to integrate with your teammates or, sure, you know, just in a general way, follow the kind of the circadian rhythm of the baseball season, right? Yeah. So... I have to. I ha, I can't. I can't imagine that there are any advantages to it. I can only imagine that there are disadvantages. Yeah, yeah. I. I like. I think about. Um, I wonder if this is a silly comparison. So, like last year, this is inherently silly because it's like Mike Trout. He's pretty great, sort of singularly talented. But like, mm-hmm. I. I wondered last year when you Trout wondered. Was, you wondered. I wondered when he wondered. was out for a bit if he was going to sort of get out of sink coming back from an injury and it's a little different right because he went through his normal season ramp up and spring training and was playing in games and whatnot but I I did wonder I was like oh I wonder if he'll maybe if it's not a downside maybe if he's able to just kind of get back into rhythm is there some benefits to having a break in the middle of the year where you just get to rest and I could see that potentially being true because it's such a slog to get to the end but I think, you know, when the beginning is sort of out of sync, it can t- it just, it's not great. It can take a while to get sorted. But you also have guys who get, you know, traded at the deadline and they seem to adjust fine. Or, you know, even later than that, like the Astros seem crazy go nuts over Justin Verlander. And he was a very late addition. Yeah. So yeah. I don't know. We'll, we'll find out. I'm I think I don't to- know is always one of the safest conclusions at which yeah. one can arrive. I'm very comfortable with I don't know, because often I don't, so it's good to be honest. Yeah. While we are talking, and you know, I know this will not come out the same day, but this lineup will exist again in spring training. I just have the sort of like play-by-play up for mm-hmm. the the Mariners game, which mm-hmm. did not have video, and I was sad because James Paxton was pitching, but he didn't pitch well, so maybe I'm happy about that. Mm-hmm. I love spring training, and this is not a new idea, but it is funny every year because you just learn so much about teams that you're even very close observers of. So, like, did you know that Junior Lake is on the Mariners? I didn't uh, know, not specifically, no. That's real. Uh, mm-hmm. Gordon Beckham is on the Mariners. Okay, I didn't know I didn't know that either, but I'm not, suppose I'm not surprised. Andrew but... Romine is on the Mariners. Oh, okay, yeah. You know, right now they're, the Mariners are winning, but both Junior Lake and Andrew Romine had errors in this game, so it hasn't been a clean day. No. So, that's Well, you've uh, that's reported fun. from a very... Specific moment in history. <laughs> so I think it'll be appreciated by all. Yeah. 
Can we get to uh, <laughs> the most most pressing matter for this conversation, uh, which is the matter of business words? Oh, I have yeah. a really good one for you. Okay, I have. Uh, I'm sure there are other things we get to, but this is a bit. This is um, unfinished business, I think. Yeah, uh, spilling over from our last conversation. Uh, yeah, we uh, talked about your experiences with Goldman Sachs and financial industry in general, and we started to talk um, a little bit about the. I suppose one might call the lexicon of business. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's something I always enjoy because it's so very alien to my own experience of the world. Yeah. Hitherto, I just derive a great deal of pleasure of it because they're, it's interesting because these are words with which I am sometimes unfamiliar, but which are very important to people who regard themselves as very important. And so there's a lot of importance. So pe- they're, they're, there's a high stakes where these words are concerned. Um, yes. So I enjoy, I enjoy them for that reason. Now you have, I, it seems as though not only have you been brainstorming, but you've also brought in some consultants. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> in true business fashion, I have enlisted the help of others to tell me things I already know. Ooh. Okay. That's a, is that a good strategy? Uh, I don't know. It's a lucrative strategy sometimes. I'm being very dismissive of consultants. They're often quite helpful, I guess, sometimes. So one that is very funny that it exists in the in the business context this was brought to me and and is is a thing I experienced in the wild but was reminded of by my my friend uh, Craig Goldstein using um socialize as a way to say that you have shared an idea with others okay. which is sort of funny in in a business context i suppose because it's like you socialize with human beings sure but saying that you have socialized an idea that's a weird that's weird that's a weird well it's thing. different right because it takes a um it takes an object in that case right right so if you socialize with someone right it requires a, a conjunction at that point Right. Or a preposition. Preposition? Let's call it a preposition. I think let's it's call a preposition. it a preposition. <laughs> Sorry. Um, yeah, let's call it with a preposition because it is one. But to, to socialize for the, ver- for the verb that takes a direct object, to socialize a thing, that's not, that's not how we use that uh, no, word. It's really yeah, not. To, to, sorry. In, in the distinction I'm looking for is a transitive versus an intransitive verb. A transitive verb is one that takes a direct object. Right. And, sure. and an intransitive one is one that doesn't. So say I socialized with Tom. Right. Yep. And that means I and that's an intransitive use of the word. We were both socializing together. But the transitive form of socialize is, is unfamiliar to me. So could you could you provide any sentence? Well, it often relates to, to email. You know, sometimes you'll have finished a, a presentation and your manager might say to you, can you uh, socialize this to the team? And you're like, no, I can't. It's a. It's a slide deck. It's crazy. Would you say it's a slide deck? Yeah, it's a slide deck. It's a. It's a. It's What's a, a slide deck? It's like a PowerPoint. Oh, okay. A yeah. slide deck. A slide deck is a power. That's which will get, thing. which will sometimes get shortened to a deck. You know, like you, you'll be, you'll be pitching a client, mm-hmm. uh, so that they will become your client, or they'll, you know, buy more services or whatever from you. Yeah. And uh, your manager will say, yes, send that deck around. And they, Do you have know. to socialize the deck? You know, they're not often mixed together, at least in my experience. And I will <laughs> say that my particular manager never used socialize because he was a Human political person. scientist and went to Johns Hopkins and he knew better. But mm-hmm. uh, others others did. Another one. How many people w- How many people started Johns Hopkins? How many people are there named John? I mean, there were at least two, right? <laughs> Yeah, like attorneys general, right? Yeah, right. Johns Hopkins. They were at least so two guys, right? Yeah, 
John and John. Each, each, each name is John Hopkins. And they're like, oh, so God. We, we got to start a university together. <laughs> it's like, hey, hey, I'm interested in higher education. What about you? Oh, my God. I, <laughs> me, too. Me, too. Crazy. What's your name, John? What's your name? My name is John, too. Yeah, but what about your last name? Hopkins. No way. <laughs> no. No way. Get out. This is creepy. This is, this crazy. is so freaky, you guys. Yeah. Gotta well, start you know what? University. If we're gonna start a university together, <laughs> do you know what? Do you know how we're gonna have to pluralize it? Johns Hopkins. Or alternative story, but not that alternative. Each of their names was John Hopkin. Yeah. And the- so they 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 really pluralized it. Your name is John wouldn't Hopkins. Wouldn't it be John Hopkins? Wouldn't what if they pluralize it? Yeah. Like if no, a- no 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 it would be no no it'd be John Hopkins is <laughs> definitely no you're right no if they're both of their names no no wait you know if what you know names- what this is Carson you know what this is that we're doing right here another business term uh, wh- we might wh- we might describe this as whiteboarding okay you and me oh that seems it's like a terrible. very benign yeah term for what we're doing I know so whiteboarding is what. Uh, it's like have a, having an idea session, a little, okay, an idea little sesh. brainstorming sesh. Mm-hmm, okay. <laughs> Can I tell you one that I don't think is a common business term, and I'm going to obscure the details of who said this because, you know, he's a nice man. We all make mistakes. Warren Buffett. No, <laughs> don't know Warren. We're not acquainted. Okay. Uh, but I know a gentleman who, uh, mm-hmm. you know, okay. was a, a more senior person. Okay. Does he carry a riding crop? He doesn't? Not, but not he's that a I know of. Though. He's not a duchy, is he? Uh, n- not that I know of. Don't know. Okay. <laughs> All right. Do you know any duchies? I don't know. Do I? <laughs> uh, I, I don't know. You have to look in, inside your own self to come to that conclusion. <laughs> anyway, go ahead. But so he uh, he was he was trying to inspire some more junior people in this business. I was not present for this, so this was relayed to me secondhand. Mm-hmm. But he was talking about, you know, trying to have them think of themselves as being client oriented, right? We want to, we want to do right by our clients. We have some like literal fiduciary responsibilities to them, but we also, you know, want to, anyway, blah, blah. So the way that he described this is that we needed to deliver the firm to our clients, you know, the totality of the services that they might yeah. get from us. Except the that. Firm. Except that then that, you know, shortens, if you're looking for an acronym, to DTF, which means a different thing. And then when you say, because you are, you know, a slightly older person and are not hip to the vernacular, yeah, you don't want to tell younger people that they should be DTF with their clients, because that's, that's the way that scandals start. Well, that would be one way to deliver the firm, wouldn't it? Oh, boy. Uh. Oh, also be. oh boy. Oh boy. <laughs> oh you, sir. Uh <laughs> you know, one way I've always found to inspire the youth is just to uh is to teach them Walt Whitman's Oh Captain, my captain. Because <laughs> <laughs> what I find is that within an hour and a half they are standing on their desks reciting it back to me yes. because I've been fired for my incendiary ideas. It's not my fault I accepted the job at Groton. <laughs> Do you know what I mean, Rally? Oh, Carson. Do you know what I mean, Rally? Do you know? 
Can I tell you a funny thing? I don't know if this is actually true or if my impression is false, but I feel like every time you and I have a conversation on the phone, and I've noticed, I think because mm. we all sit by ourselves in our homes, uh, mm. that many Fangraphs people are phone people, which is surprising because, yeah, okay. you know, who are phone people anymore. But it's nice. You know, it's a nice thing to like have a conversation rather than just being on Slack. I feel like every time you call me, you call me from a different number, which is oh, probably oh. not true. <laughs> yeah. oh, no, no, it's not at all. Yeah, it's one, yeah, and I don't, yeah. yeah and it, I think that maybe one time you were visiting your family and you called me from that number and all the other times have just been your normal number. But for some yeah. reason it has been implanted in my brain that you were like calling me from burner phones. <laughs> burner phones, yeah. <laughs> for some yeah. reason. So that's an impression I have of you, although I don't know, like, you know, like I associate that with either being a spy or perhaps, you know, a drug dealer. And you live in Maine. And so I don't know what you would be dealing apart from like, you know, jam. Is there jam in Maine? (laughs) (laughs) Your your characterization of Maine is flawless. It's well just known. A bunch of jam makers. Just a well bunch of folks making jam. jam. You know, definitely when people think of Maine, they think, "Oh, you mean that that one state that has almost the most coastline of any other state in the country?" Oh, jam. Jam is it's jam is what people say. I've they never, definitely don't they never, never bring up seafood. There. I don't know if you know this, but I've never been there. You've never been to Maine. I've never been to Maine. Hmm. I, w- I want to go. <laughs> yeah. Well, is it because you're jam aficionado? Uh, let me tell you a couple things about me. First of all, lobsters are the most popular thing. Right. Yeah, that makes sense. Second of all, and... Um, cranberries? Uh, cranberries are... Okay, so they exist. Uh, yeah, but they tend to be more popular down in the southern, southeastern part of Massachusetts. There are Damn a number it. of cranberry bogs that is also oh, where right. Ocean Spray is located. Got it. So I'm just mm-hmm. mixing all sorts of stuff up. Well, you actually bring up a good point, which is, and I might have related this to you in one of our, in our inaugural, in your inaugural appearance on the Fangraphs Audio, <laughs> is the misconceptions that certain people on the coast have of each other. And it's true when, when I was living in a house on... North Burke Ave uh, in the Wallingford area of uh, Seattle. Hmm. Two brothers owned the house in which I lived, and they thought they were very sure I lived in Connecticut. Oh. After I, I told them that I was from New Hampshire on multiple occasions, um, they were very sure I was from Connecticut. And they also they did not like people from New England, is when, one thing they decided. They, we got along okay, but in general, they were suspicious about people from New England. Hmm. I think that they had in mind kind of like um, the sort of fire and brimstone Jonathan Edwards sort or just that there are a lot of uh, New Englanders, I think, and sometimes kind of abrasive to people who are not from the region. We have all we have a sort of a uh, certainly a large collection of frat bros that we can offer to the rest of the world. Sure. Boston, of course, is a leading leading exporter of that variety. Well, and you're very direct. As a people, which, you know, is a, it's nice. That's a nice thing. I mean, it has its moments where it's like, can you stop? But generally it's a, it's a pretty nice thing. And as you probably experienced in your time in Seattle, Mm-hmm. We are terrified of making eye contact with even our most like intimate relations. So <laughs> I can appreciate how that would be very intimidating to people from here. Well, so here's actually, and this is actually another point to, that if you ever wanted to, now we're whiteboarding here. So um, just let me let me preface this this next comment just to remind you that we are whiteboarding. Um, just it's it, 
whiteboarding is it, it's a type of torture for Caucasian people. It's uh, <laughs> it's not as bad as as waterboarding at all. Although it is still we're unpleasant. Often des- we're often deserving. It can be the worst. So, <laughs> so makes some, some some amount of sense. So you actually have done a couple posts. So you did you did recently you did a taxonomy a, a semi complete taxonomy on, um, on ejections. Yes. And there was all sorts of uh, steaming and stamping by yep. grown <laughs> by adult men in that. Yeah. And they do they do some funny things, right? And, but I think that one thing, and I think that like by definition, your post sort of served to make this clear, is that by virtue of the fact that there are a number of different types of ejection, like there's like some acceptable forms of anger, right? Yes. Like there there's anger that people understand in yeah. baseball, and so frequently when a manager goes out, and I think that uh, there's one one point where. He's, for example, you described Joe Girardi's fussy walk, his fussy little walk. <laughs> and that's a great, fussy is a great word. Yeah. Um, it's like he's coming out and it's like he is indicating in a very large way. That's, and it's not, he's not just communicating with the umpire, I would assume. He's communicating to his players, likely. Yes. And even to the fans. He's like, look, I'm upset. Yes. I am upset. It's the only essay that I've truly enjoyed by Roland Barthes. Do you know Roland Barthes? French, he's a French person. A little, a very, very yeah. little bit. Just sure. a Roland, very sure. little bit. Like, don't don't ask me no. one single thing that he No, said. but you're, familiar, you're, 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 at least you're not going to object to the fact that there's probably someone no, named Roland No, it seems Barthes like a real name. <laughs> yeah, it seems, yeah, okay. seems like someone I probably read in grad school, and so I'm might, like right. so he, uh, racking the bo- noggin to figure out what, what, what old Roland said. He, so the, the the one that I remember best from it, it is perhaps it's because it's the first one. I don't I don't know even remember. It's about it's called the world of wrestling. At least translated in English, it's called the world of wrestling, in which he essentially draws a comparison between modern like televised wrestling, professional wrestling, you know what essentially has become the W you know WWE that sort of wrestling, and Greek drama, right? Mm-hmm. Which is that like each character is like the minute you see the character. You know, there are like three indicators that he has, three three signifiers. You're like, oh, like this guy, like, I don't know if you remember, like there was the wrestler. Well, there's um, what, Jake the Snake Roberts. <laughs> Jake the Snake had a snake. And he came out and you're like, oh, that's a guy with a snake. And that's that's his character, right? And you're like, what kind of person has a snake? It's like, well, Jake the Snake is. And there was Macho Man Randy Savage. Sure. I don't necessarily know like what his, he talked, like he was constipated a little bit. But it was like, clear, like there was like, like many macho men. He was a lot booming of meat. with ma- <laughs> booming with masculinity. <laughs> yes, that's right. Yeah, maybe he had gout and he was permanently uncomfortable. Uh, the Ultimate Warrior was like he was kind of a melange of warrior <laughs> characters, but undoubtedly a warrior. And in fact, the Ultimate One. <laughs> you may be less familiar with uh, with the penultimate warrior. Much, much less popular a character. <laughs> Why do we have to worry about him? Is there an Ultimate Warrior? around well and his mom is just so disappointed because she was like getting ready to tell the ladies you know like my boy my boy i'm so proud but no yeah. one remembers him because no one remembers him. yeah he uh, wasn't hacksaw, the last one hacksaw jim duggan was kind of like a he was like a feral human he had been a fair it's like what happens when a feral child grows up mm. and he just carried around a two by four everywhere he went that was his character but the point is like you can see from afar if you're right. in the, you know, if you're in the last row of, you know, whatever, like the Tacoma Arena is called, 
The Tacoma um, Dome. Tacoma Dome, right. And this is exactly the sort of place where this sort of thing happens. Oh, yes. I think that Tacoma that is Dome. accurate. Yeah, you see WWE wrestling. You see Hacks at Jim Duggan. You're in the last row because your dad's too cheap to buy you good tickets. Well, but they're you very see, expensive. Sure. And you see from afar that it's Hacksaw Jim Duggan. He has a two by four and you get who he is. And Roland Barthes' contention was was that, you know, that this is like Greek, you know, Greek drama, like where you would you could also be sitting far away and you could see from the mask, you could see from the dress. There has to be these very broad indicators about what kind of person has now stepped onto the stage Sure. in either case. And that is, I think, a point relevant to this one about the managers, right? Is they have the fussy little box. Like, there are these things they do that are very sort of broad gestures, but they are attempting to address these movements, not only to the umpire, not only to the players, but also to the fans in the stadium. Right. To the point I was originally trying to make, because we're, this is some Russian dolls sort of uh, thesis <laughs> I'm constructing here. Uh, <clears throat> is this is one of ritualized anger. Now, sure. I will contend that regionally, there is much more in the way of ritualized anger in the northeast portion of, of the United States than there is in the northwest. I think that there is like, there, I mean, I think it's like, it's been captured in art many times. It's like, you know, you're crossing the street and the car is driving and you're like, hey, I'm walking here, right? That's a mm-hmm. thing that exists. The person who says, hey, I'm walking here, he's not really angry. He has raised his voice, right? But he's saying, hey, I'm walking here in a way that, you know, the, the thousand Goombas before him have already said. And I'm allowed to say that. Because you're Italian. Because <laughs> I'm a Goomba. Yeah. Now, I remember one of my first days in Portland, Oregon, living there, though, I took I was taking a left, an unprotected left. Mm. And someone was coming down. And I, I went, I admit, I took the left too quickly. Mm. And, and a person who was coming in the opposite direction probably had to step on his brakes momentarily for purposes of safety. So sure. I was at fault. I admit that. When he yelled at me, he yelled at me as though he actually wanted to kill my dad. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> he was like... Like go back like, in time and kill your dad before you had been born? No, no, no. Just like actually kill my... <laughs> kill. I don't know why he wanted to kill my dad specifically. He was like, yeah, I want to hurt you, but in a way that's going to... You'll feel real guilty too <laughs> that sure. your dad's dead. He was like... And he was like... You like oh in, a, in a in like a like in a real angry way. You know what I mean? Like yeah. maybe I just killed his dad. Oh no, so, person! I don't, I, it's a terrible goomba. I know what is that? I'm allowed to call you that because I'm because you're Italian. Yeah, and um, it's terrible mm, words. Don't no use it. No, it's actually not a bad word. I've it's not terrible. It. It's no, just I, not no nice. I looked it up. I looked it up. It's really not bad. It's actually a for term of virtue. I, um, sure. I, I yeah I did I did a, I did a research on the etymology so it's really not that bad I did because I call my son all the time I call him a little goomba because to look at him is to know a goomba well and also because children are monsters yeah they they are and they're also funny funny shapes oh yeah especially yeah. when they're very small mm-hmm. they don't look mm-hmm. like themselves until they're like. 10, 11 months old. Yeah. And you're like, hey, you're a person. That happened overnight, seemingly. So the, anyway, the, the point is this person, this person, this guy yelled at me in a way that I that suggested real legitimate anger. Yeah. And it, it frightened me because this was not, hey, I'm driving here. Yeah. This was, I am legitimately mad. Yeah. Like, my life is, is bad. And now you have done something to slight me and I'm considering... Uh, acts of violence. Yeah. So, but I think that maybe that's something that comes up. Like, maybe, do you think, do you think it's possible there is a lack of ritualized anger 
in the Northwest? I'm going to say a couple of things. First, (laughs) to go back several minutes, Mm -hmm. did you know that last year, former Texas Rangers pitcher, now I believe Mets pitcher, A.J. Griffin, went on the disabled list with gout? Fun fact to know and tell. Yeah, gout is, I mean, to his credit, you know, it's a condition which was formerly the the provenance of royalty. Right. So, uh, you know. Does the fact that he went on the disabled list with gout make his stated nickname of Sweet Lettuce funnier to you? It makes it funnier to me. (laughs) You should probably probably stop buying Don't buy that sweet lettuce, AJ. (laughs) Yeah. Um, But to the the more pressing question, I mean, I think that um, Seattleites... And I won't speak for people from Portland. We can defer to Jeff on that because he Mm. knows better than I do. But at least when it comes to Seattle, it isn't that people don't get angry. It's that I think that that what happens is that we are taught to be uncomfortable with conflict and sort of conflict averse. And then like not super emotionally healthy people Mm -hmm. often do. We stuff all the feelings deep down and Mm -hmm. then... When we are confronted with moments that are legitimately horrible or rude, in the case of you, you know, kind of taking a sassy left when you shouldn't have. I should have. And I, yeah. I'm right. Like the response is then very large because it is being felt with like the injustice of that particular moment and maybe several other moments exactly like that, mm-hmm. close to that. So I think that, uh, you know, and it's a funny thing when you look at managers because I, you know, I, I sat there for like a day and a half and just watched men being angry, which was a weird part of my job that week. And you're right that like there's, you know, they sort of declare themselves when they enter the field, like we are going to have conflict now. And there's often a point, you know, because there are a lot of moments where like managers will come out and talk to the umpire. And it doesn't result in an ejection. They come out and they make their point and, you know, they they say in that sort of disappointed way, like, well, are we going to get that strike next time or, you know, whatever. And then they just shuffle back to the dugout and the game proceeds and it's fine. But there's there's often a moment in the ejections and not in all of them, certainly not in all of the ones that I detailed in that insane thing that I wrote, but in a lot of them where it's like you see the the flip where it's like, oh, you're, you've decided that you're done doing your job on the field today mm-hmm. and that you're going to communicate other stuff. And I think you're right that that is often telegraphed well in advance and directed, you know, it's it's sort of at the umpire, but he, it, the manager or the player is largely communicating with other people. And it just so happens that this guy has to stand there and be the vessel of that communication to a larger, to a larger audience. So yeah, that's right. He's there to, yeah, he just has to be the object of derision, but it's not, it's, yeah, it's not real derision. It's no, a uh, sort of, uh, right, I mean, we've talked about Although I will say, you know, sometimes you watch it and like umpires know that this is going to be a thing. And I think that we're, you know, there are times when umpires don't do a good job, but they have a very hard job and they tend to do it pretty well. Mm-hmm. And the fact that we sort of expect them to be perfect at it is bizarre because it's very hard. It's a very hard job and we often all fail at our jobs. Oh, yeah. We're like, we have days where we're like, that's not a great sentence, but I put it on the internet anyway. Yeah, Enjoy. Well, you got you to produce some sort of content, don't you? I know. 
now there's baseball back, so it's a little a little easier. But anyway, so, you know, they're like going about their business and it's like, I got to stand up for my guy and I'm going to get so angry and rah. And they do that. And then sometimes there is a moment where the camera will linger on the umpire who sort of had to stand there and receive this. And especially in moments where the manager is wrong. And it is interesting that like, that doesn't matter either to the umpire or to the manager. The manager will sometimes be very wrong. Like, it'll have been a strike, man. It was a strike. He struck out looking. Like, stop Uh being mad. Like, tell your guy to, like, not take that pitch sometimes. Like, probably should have swung at that. So there are times where the the manager will be very wrong, but he's trying to communicate something to his guy, to the fans, so he yells at at the umpire, and the umpire knows he is right, but he has to stand there and listen to the, you know, I don't know, pick a guy. Renteria. Rick Renteria got ejected so many times last year. Or like Jeff Bannister. Very loud. And the camera will linger on the umpire. And sometimes these guys have this face. Like they have this look on their faces that makes you want to hug a stranger who is probably very sweaty. (laughs) Because he's right. And the manager is wrong. And you would think that he would derive some amount of comfort from the fact that, like, he called a good zone. But he also has this look on his face like, why am I getting yelled at for doing a good job? The incentive structure here is very strange. Stop <laughs> being so mean to me. Please. And you just feel for the guy like, man, I don't know. I'm sorry. Like, Jeff Bannister had to, like, tell... Carlos Gonzalez said he cared about him and you were collateral damage in that effort. And that that's kind of a terrible bummer. <laughs> it's like a very, it's a small way that we're mean to strangers, but we also root for Jeff Bannister in that moment. Like if we're Ranger fans, I guess. And that might not be very nice. So I You know, know uh, one of the umpires you included in your nearly exhaustive effort uh you should be very grateful it was not a completely exhaustive effort because it would have required at least two more posts. And, yeah, I think you know, at some point, the bit is is done. Sometimes yeah. you got to be done with the bit. Yeah. Uh, you, uh, under the heading, this is uh, the sort of uh, type that you, one of the types that you identified, uh, you characterized as so close they could kiss or bite each other. <laughs> and uh, the one you identified here was between home plate umpire John Tempain and uh, I believe is how you pronounce it. I apologize if it's not. And and, uh, had just ejected Matt Carpenter. This was towards the end of April. And the precise details needn't be uh, reconsidered here. Uh, What I did realize, though, is that Jonathan Payne is also uh, the same umpire who just two months later saved a woman uh, who was attempting uh, to commit suicide off of the uh, Roberto Clemente Bridge in Pittsburgh. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And so I wonder... (laughs) I wonder if, um, if like his, uh, I assume that uh, players around the league are familiar with this. I wonder if he received a, a brief reprieve mm-hmm. from players in the aftermath of that. You know, if they're like, "Hey, yeah. you, so you recently saved someone," I'll come out and cut you some slack. What do you think? Yeah, I mean, uh, maybe, or yeah. at least I wonder if players were, you know, sort of accessed in that moment the sort of more adult means of conflict resolution and sort of behavior in public that we all have to adopt when we become grown-up people, which is like, you know, I appreciate how my behavior in this moment will look to others, regardless of whether or not I am right. Mm -hmm. And I am going to temper my behavior knowing that 
so that we can continue to have a civilization. Yeah, yeah. And I wonder if, you know, for a week, those guys were like, well, like, maybe a zone is wrong, but I don't want to be the guy who yells at someone who, like, took time out of his life to talk someone down in this really horrible moment of their life. So I'm I'm a chill yeah. for a beat. Yeah, that's that's a, and that's a that's a fine way to to uh, do, to do it. You got to make those choices as an adult. You know, although some uh, might say, well, is the civilization worth <laughs> worth saving? Well, and it's a tricky thing, right? Because to to go back to the Northwesterners who will sometimes like yell at you in a horrifying way in traffic and then like not make eye contact and will wait at the corner with no cars around mm. for the walk sign to change in the rain because they're like not going to jaywalk. That is crazy. We should stop doing that part. But like, you know, when you have feelings, they have a, a way of sort of coming out sideways if you don't address them. And so it's a tricky balance, right? You you shouldn't yell at people probably most of the time, but also like you can't stuff stuff down your whole life because you'll be miserable and probably yell at people in, in ways that isn't totally reasonable. So, you know, it's you know, hard. It's hard. Feeling, it's hard. Feelings are really hard. Feelings. Yeah. I believe <laughs> I think, Freud said that. Yeah. I think that he was, was like, I, I said a bunch of other stuff, but the punchline is feelings, man. What do you do with those? So hard. <laughs> <laughs> and then you I got to deliver an- that firm though, don't you? Yeah. And then I, and then I met another uh, psychologist and his name was also Sigmund, and his last name was also Freud. And then uh, we were Sigmund's Freud, and it Sigmund's was. Fr- <laughs> <laughs> it's ca- that's called a callback in comedy, Carson. That's a that's a callback. It is, yeah. I believe actually David Letterman was the uh, was the king of that. Probably he had a duchy callback. Oh anyway. boy! <laughs> um, now he has a beard. Yeah, he does. Well, you gotta have one or the other. <laughs> uh, uh, hey, listen. So close are we to? the one hour mark and uh, so close is my my own son uh, my human son to go into bed <laughs> that i feel i feel uh, as though i'm we're at a place where i can say that you fulfilled your obligation to fangraphs audio i'm so relieved yeah that's good that's good i it's think good. it always... got better in the second half the first 20 minutes were like eh, you yeah you talk about madison the whole time but then we you know we steered around to other stuff yeah that's that's a very good characterization of what happened here <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you know, let's be clear. People who are looking for 100% gold, sure. you're not going to find it here. No. You know what I mean? But here's what I hope, is that by uh, is that uh, what we've provided here is slightly better than silence. <laughs> 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 or whatever's currently on NPR. Those yeah. are the two, I mean, those are, those, those are the benchmark, you know? Are those the two auditory states you find yourself in? Silence or NPR? <laughs> Silence. Yeah. Well, I mean, I think that uh, especially like if you're if you're in your car, right? Sure. You're like, ugh, do I want to listen to the to Fingers <laughs> Audio? Well, I, yeah. I mean, right now it's uh, State of the Nation. What's some? What's one of the call-in shows? You know, where people are like, well, I don't think that's my favorite thing. And the, the host has to be <laughs> like, oh, okay. So, what is your favorite thing? And be like, I think everyone should have the most. And you're like, oh no. So yeah. this is better than that, I think. Yeah, you know, I think not, we did a, a... not all NPR programming, you know. No, but like that seems like a fair description of most of it. Like, <laughs> yeah. for example, uh, uh, recently I listened to Fresh Air uh, uh, had uh, John Mulaney and Nick uh, <laughs> Nick Kroll? Kroll on. Yeah, yeah, 
Mm. I thought I like that. I enjoy them. I, I do too. Stuff. Yeah. Keep checking my Netflix for a new John Mulaney special because I know he's touring. So I assume that we'll get one soon. Well, one of the reasons these two were on uh, was not only to uh, to publicize their one of the reasons was to publicize uh, their role in the Independent Spirit Awards. Yes, they and, have which a, was on they, last night. They have a, a a little hipster bit that they do with that. They do that apparently. On, is that thing they did on Conan. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you that was it. Yeah. Was all right. It was fine. It's fine. It was fine. But they did. But you can watch the mod their monologue for the eleven twelve minute monologue from from that. I night. will go check out. It was I good. do. I do like moments. I know that I fulfilled my obligation. I will let you go attend to your family yeah, no, it's fine. In, yeah, yeah. in just one moment. But yeah. I do, you know, enjoy moments where comedians can't help but laugh. And Nick Kroll had several moments in that that little was, Conan yeah. stint where it was like clearly the material was not all the way all the way figured out. Yeah, they, yeah, yeah. and he was still being surprised, and that's nice. You know that he it mm. wasn't stale for him. Yeah, it was very much a bit. But they uh, no, they, I thought them. I thought the the monologue was a lot of fun. I have fun uh, listening to it with my ears. And uh, they said some funny things. I don't know if, if you're aware. There have been some headlines in the last calendar year regarding, in particular, it seems a lot of men have behaved poorly, or at least uh, there have been revelations about how poorly they've behaved in other years. Yeah. Um, so these two comedians. Yeah. Call some attention to that. Oh. Yeah. Well. You know that's that's worthwhile. <laughs> nice, yeah. I am vaguely aware of what you're talking about, <laughs> having having interacted with human men. Yeah, okay, yeah. Oh, yes. Yeah, I've seen them around. Yeah, <clears throat> yeah. Yep, 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 yep. Those guys. Um, well, come on, stop it, guys. Um, yeah, <laughs> You know, speaking of not men, but of little tiny human, yeah, boy children. I I will stop talking about uh, John Mulaney and let you go attend to your your lovely son. Yeah, yeah. It's mostly to, to make sure that my wife only has to deal with half of him. <laughs> well, sure. That's the agreement. But so once again, I'll say pleasure to speak with you, and also yes, your obligation is fulfilled. So thank you, thank you, Meg Rowley. Thank you, Carson. Okay, that's very good. I will say uh, that is the managing editor of the Hardball Times Meg Rally. I am Carson Sestouli. This has been Fangraphs Audio.